You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. Through a combination of solo episodes and interviews with some incredible guests, we bring you the insights and practical tips to create happier working environments for you and your teams. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or a colleague and leaving a rating or review on your favorite platform. And the pandemic gave them space to actually recognize that. And once they did, and I truthfully think this is for a lot of people, it's kind of hard to go back. Kind of hard to go back once you realize that, hey, maybe this isn't for me. And if I can find a way to, you know, make home life work, either with significant other kids or whoever, and doing something I'm really interested in, then why not? Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My guest today was introduced me from a former podcast guest, Bev Atfield, and his name is Brian Akar. He also has his own podcast called Why I Left, which is an interesting story about the great resignation, essentially, talking to people who left their jobs during COVID. Uh, so really, really interesting insights from that podcast as well. And today's episode, we do, we talk about why people resign from their jobs, essentially. So uh, Brian shares some insights from the podcast. He talks about his own career history and, and where he got to as well. So some really interesting insights in today's episode. We talk as well about what the future looks like from an individual and organizational perspective. As always, I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. So do get involved on social media. You'll find all of my links on Happier at work.ie. And as always, I do do a synopsis and a summary at the end of some of the key points that we talked about and what you can take away from today's episode. Now, I do also want to preface this by saying there's a little bit of a noise at the start, so I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear it, if it will come through. But my niece and nephew called into the house and uh, you might hear a bit of noise in the background. And then there was a really heavy rainstorm at one point while I was recording. So loud that I think you may be able to hear it. But if you can't, hopefully you can't. But just something to bear in mind as we're going through. This is the beauty of recording a podcast. So happy days. Enjoy today's episode. Brian, you're very welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. I know we connected through a past podcast guest, which is one of my favorite ways to connect with my podcast guests is through other guests' recommendations. Bev Atfield connected us um, maybe a year ago or a little bit more, and we had a brilliant conversation. You were had either just started your own podcast or were about to start, and we just had a great conversation all about podcasting. So I know this has been kind of on the agenda uh, since the end of last year, probably. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Do you want to let people know a little bit about your work history, your background and what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, first, thank you, Aoife, for, for bringing me on the show. Yeah. Wow. Time really flies. It has it been you know, about, about a year. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm Brian Akar. My background is really as an employment attorney, right? So I have uh, I was in private practice for a couple of years prior to then moving into city government here in New York. I'm based in, in the States. So I'm in New York. And I worked for two different government agencies. Total was about six years, uh, you know, three and three apiece. And then in 2016, I actually pivoted into the healthcare space. And what really fascinated me about that was, you know, having the opportunity 
to work in a place where you can impact and touch lives in ways that truthfully I had not done so before in my career. Like truthfully, I was involved in like, you didn't really want to see me in my past life. I was an investigator, right? I was employment. Like I didn't signal good things when I showed up. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Now it's different. And so I've been in healthcare since 2016, worked for a very large organization here uh, regionally in New York. And now I'm in in the space where um, kind of moved into an executive level role where I focus on workforce and community education. And what's really been great about that is, you know, you get it, get a chance to um, potentially work with students and other you know folks who are interested in the healthcare space, but really don't know how to get in. And so that's been really touching for me. And, and so that, yeah, I've been doing that for about six, seven months now, but I will say why I got into my podcast, right? So I also host, I created and host a podcast called Why I Left. And it's really about why people have left their jobs during the pandemic. And really it's a topic that I truthfully just kind of you know, went down the rabbit hole and just got so intrigued by what people were doing during the pandemic. This was a, a time in our history, most of our history that we had never experienced before. As I mentioned, you know, I was in healthcare at the time and I was really involved in some of the redeployment efforts when COVID first hit that first wave of moving folks in the right location to make sure that we had enough staff to support really the onslaught of humanity that was coming in at that time. And simultaneously, now you see all these people who are starting to leave what I would think are stable jobs. Mm-hmm. And I started asking myself, well, what's going on here? Right? Like what's happening? And then, you know, you'd see more articles about this. I'd hear more stories. And I just got really curious given my background. Right. So, you know, in the employment space, you know, and when I moved into to healthcare, I was initially in HR, you know, I focused on how do leaders and teams work better together? How do organizations better support and engage their team members? Right. When the relationships go south, well, what happens there? What could we have done better? And so you start reading all these articles and you're like, wow, this is a phenomenon. And then this huge article comes out from actually Professor Anthony Klotz, right? He had made a quote around, you know, this thing is going to be a great resignation. Everyone's going to pretty much kind of leave. And then it started happening. It was like 41 million people who left at a certain time. It was just so many folks who just decided to leave. So I thought to myself, well, what if these people would want to tell their own stories? Because I'd see articles, I'd read you know, different news things. And it was always so brief. Brian worked here. Here's what's going on. Here's a quote. And he left, move on next story. What if I gave people who left their jobs, their own platform to really talk about their story and kind of walk us through the process? Because my big thing about the show is I don't think that we talk about resignations enough and that they are something that occur frequently in our work lives and virtually gone are the days where folks are in positions for 30 and 40 and 50 years. So when you think of the amount of people who have resigned, regardless of great resignation or not, there's something behind that. And I think there's something that people could learn from that, either about the process, the steps that they did to get there, and truthfully, what has happened next, and some of those insights that that they've shared. That was really the origin of the show. And then it was just about getting people to join, right? So that first season, you know, my goal was to get to 20 episodes, and I got it. And uh, what was great was that I, you know, I mentioned, you know, Anthony earlier, I reached out to him during that first season, like, Hey, you coined this phrase. I mean, I'd love to get you on the show. (laughs) Right. And so we were, we talked for, for a few months and he was actually in his own pivot at the time. 
Uh, and then he opened up season one. And so it was great to get him on the show, talk about what led to that, because it, truthfully, it's really the origin story for why I even created a, a podcast in the first place. And it's been a lot of fun. I mean, there's loads that I want to ask about there. My Maybe the pressing question is about Anthony and that pivot that he's made. And, and you kind of wonder about these things. If he's doing this research and he's realizing all these things, then he's like, oh, well, maybe there's an opportunity for me to be part of the great resignation or for me to resign as well. You know, when things are in the back of people's heads, I think it makes us more curious about about what's going on out there. So any wisdom to share around that without giving too much away from the podcast episode itself? Yeah, no, no. Well, I would say, I mean, so that's exactly what happened. I think, you know, he saw an opportunity or he received an opportunity that was truthfully kind of once in a lifetime where, you know, he noticed he was like, you know, if not now, then when? And he happened to jump on that. And so the irony of, you know, the guy who coined the great resignation phrase ended up resigning himself and going, you know, overseas was, you know, something that wasn't lost on him. And, you know, he gives a really good story as to kind of what led to that for him. He talks about a few things. I won't give it, like I said, I won't give away too, too much, but like he talks about some of the push and pull factors that lead to folks actually resigning. And so I would definitely encourage folks to, to check that out and, and learn more about what that means because it was interesting. And, you know, once he kind of put that into perspective, I then had to reflect on obviously season one guests and some of the other folks who I had been talking with and I'm currently talking with, you know, in season two. And, you know, you think about that, it's very similar because not everybody is leaving, you know, so we're here, I'm on the, the Happier at Work podcast. There's a lot of folks who weren't that happy at work to begin with. Yeah. And the pandemic gave them space to actually recognize that. Yeah. And once they did, and I truthfully think this is for a lot of people, it's kind of hard to go back, kind of hard to go back once you realize that, hey, maybe this isn't for me. And if I can find a way to, you know, make home life work, either with significant other kids or whoever, and doing something I'm really interested in, then why not? You know, and so that it's been great to hear these stories because there's so many revelations that I've just come across that I think it's beautiful. One, that they're open enough to share that with truthfully random guy from LinkedIn more often than not, right? <laughs> um, so I, I love that they're able to do that. But then it's also, it's helpful for other folks to hear like, hey, you know what? I'm not alone in this because truly that is one of the pieces of feedback I get the most around that. Oh, I'm able to really, I saw myself in him or her and God, that really stuck with me. And when I hear that, I'm like, okay, good. So I'm on to something and, and let's just keep the content flowing. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. But it's, I think, let's say prior to the pandemic and maybe even to a degree now as well, people are so busy just doing that they're not really taking that step back to think about what they're doing. And you're so right. The pandemic gave people space to really reflect on where their life was going. Is this really what I want? Yeah, I love this idea of the push and pull factors. I'll be checking out that episode for sure. The other thing, I suppose, from your own perspective, I'd love to understand more about what you've learned through the process of talking to all these people. Like, is there a common thread rather than just not being happier at work? Is there something that kind of ties all of these people together or is it their unique experiences? Like what's going on that people resigned or at least the people that you spoke to? Yeah, I would say the common thread is that when you go through an experience, like once in a lifetime experience that, yeah. that we had mm. with COVID, it really changes you. It changes everybody. 
And I sometimes blend the topics with you know, either coaches or folks who, who may not have, have left, but just could give some insight into you know, things that, that, that have occurred. And even if it's someone who hasn't left a job, this theme of I am different, like these past three years, I am different than I was before. That's been a consistent theme. Now, what that difference means, that's where you then get the, the variability. Because you know, I have one gentleman who said, look, I now have this time. Why would I commute an hour both ways to work? Now we're going remote, okay? We're going to be doing this. And now I have this freedom to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. But now I'm remote. Now I can do some of my passion project that I've been working on and still do my day-to-day and be fine. Because what I decided to do now was now that I'm not commuting for this hour and a half, I'm going to do side hustle work in the morning. Then I do my normal day job. And then what I would have been commuting, I'm now going to do side hustle work there. And that then allowed him to scale his business quicker and then leave. Right. And so, and then there's other folks who not everyone's leaving to become, you know, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. Some folks say, you know what, now the time gave me an opportunity to say, you know what, this is the type of organization that I want to be a part of, or this is the type of work that I really want to do. Where can I find that? And I love hearing those stories because those are folks who they still wanted to be in some type of industry, but they want to be a part of something greater. And I commend that, right? And so it's really been a mixed bag. I think so other than the pandemic really changing everybody, the other common theme, and it's you know, one of my phrases I love to kind of talk about is that what you notice through the people who I bring on is that we're all much more connected than we want to give ourselves credit for in this human experience that we're all living. And to have one event happen in our lives that touches everybody is so rare, is so, so rare, right? And of the ones who has touched everybody, you know, we could probably name some of those, right? But this is kind of ours, if you will. And because of that, people now are like, all right, how am I going to use this to better what I need for myself or my family, right? But more often than not, people are really taking that look inward to figure out what it is that they could do you know, because now I want to make sure that I'm not making the same mistakes that I was doing before. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love it. And it's so right. Like, it, I think one of the, if you can call it a benefit, I'm not sure if you can really, but one of the positives, let's say, of COVID was that sense of connection with other people. And my worry at the other side, and who can tell whether it's over or whether it's still going on? Because I know people who are still contracting COVID, but it's not talked about in the news anymore. It's not really pressworthy anymore. So we feel like we're at the other side of it. But I think the worry is that loss of connection again, that we're not feeling that sense of community with other people anymore. I love this idea of, I kind of, the great resignation, I sort of assumed people were going to find other jobs as opposed to being entrepreneurs, but it's interesting to know that there is that kind of mix. It's There is a bit of entrepreneurship there as well. And a little bit of like finding something, the type of work that I want to do and having more time to reflect on, well, what does that really mean? And how do I best bring out my strengths? Another thing that I kind of took from that is wanting to be part of something greater. And I think that's 
that again, that's something that's common with all humans. I think that we all want to be something, part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Again, it's that connection piece. It's that, you know, how can we collaborate together and how can we support one another? I think it's um, it's a really, really powerful message as well. Any thoughts to to add on any of that? Yeah, you know, you know, we are all like you mentioned with us as human beings, we want to feel connected to something. We want to feel like our work has meaning, our life has meaning. And although most of us, right, are, are working because it's just kind of just the nature of what we do, and we're not, you know, independently wealthy and can just kind of live, just live, right? You know, most of us <laughs> don't have that type of life. Yeah. If we're going to be spending so much time somewhere, why not make it worthwhile internally, right? Because I do think, and maybe this is a little naive of me, but I, at people's core, I think people are good people and they want to do the right thing. They want to contribute positively to society and, and whatever that type of way, education, tech, or whatever the case may be. People genuinely want to do that. But at times, sometimes you may not be working in a space that really drives your purpose. But when you get a chance to do that, and then you actually are doing it, it's then hard to turn back. Even if, and I've heard this before, even if you're not making as much money as you used to. And so, you know, you see those things and I commend folks who have, have given themselves the space to decide that and, and make those decisions because you can tell it's really, they're living a happier life. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree on that. And, you know, I suppose it's the whole philosophy around happier at work is if you are spending so much of your time at work, you do want to make sure, like for me, it's the people thinking about the impact that they're having on the world and the impact that they want to have on the world and how to make that. And you mentioned the word purpose, like how do you bring it back to purpose? And I just made a note here saying that money is not purpose. We need to earn a certain amount to fund the whatever lifestyle we have to pay the mortgage, to pay the rent to pay for food, to pay for kids stuff, to pay, you know, there's loads of expenses that we have in our lives. And there might be a lifestyle that we've become accustomed to, the car, the house, the holidays, whatever that might be. But so long as we're earning enough to fund a minimum basic kind of lifestyle, I think beyond that money, it loses its relevance a little bit. Unless you're maybe caught in a trap of keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the the next door neighbours and wanting to impress other people. But, you know, I think it's a really important consideration that it's not all about money. And if you took a 10% pay cut, but you're actually much happier at work, I think it makes a huge difference because whether or not you're happier at work has an impact on all sorts of relationships, your home relationships, your work relationships, overall experience of life. It has an impact on your health. It has such wide reaching impact that I think a 10% pay cut is not a huge price to pay for something that will have such a long lasting and wide and profound impact on your experience of life. Absolutely. You know, and I'll share candidly here, you know, uh, my inbox from a LinkedIn standpoint is there's no shortage of, of offers for other opportunities that truthfully could probably make me more money in other places. But what I found is that, you know, I'm working at, at a place now and COVID changed me as well. You know, I, you know, we talked about purpose-driven work. I wrote an article about that, like right around, I think it was like 21, I believe. It was like the year anniversary from, from when COVID actually started. It was like March 14th. Yeah. And it was actually called, you know, purpose-driven work. And what was interesting was, 
you know, I joined healthcare looking to make a difference and all those things, but you know, I'm not a clinician or anything like that. So I'd never really touched patients in that way. Well, how I mentioned earlier that I was a part of some of the redeployment efforts, there was an initiative that, you know, this command center that was a part of leading that allowed us to actually save lives because we were able to move folks in the right places and all of that. And it was the first time in my life that I had experienced that type of feeling of impact in this type of way. Because like I said, I'm not saving any lives and some of the work I was doing, I was impacting lives, right? Arguably, you know, people could say in which type of way you're impacting them. It's kind of, you know, depending on which side you're sitting on, right? But but with this one to actually save lives, it touched me in a way and it impacted me like, oh, wow. You know, and I'll never know who those people were, never know who those families were. But the fact that it happened and it, you know, it got relayed to us, it really touched me in a, in a way. I was like, oh, wow, this is a feeling that I'd love to continue. It was almost like a high you were chasing. Like, I'd love to continue this. And now, granted, I may not be able to save lives in that type of way, but maybe I could work on something that saves or impacts lives positively in a way that I may not have been able to do before. And that's truthfully what I ended up kind of creating for myself within the organization was an opportunity to impact lives in a way. And currently it's around, you know, students and some of those types of initiatives, but impacting lives in ways that allows folks to see their trajectory differently. You know, people want to get into healthcare. They don't know how to do it, but if we were able to, you know, we partnered with big school here, school system here to say, Hey, we want to expose kids to these types of opportunities. And, you know, I recently kind of wrapped up that project a couple months ago and to hear the feedback, to see the learning happening, it was, it gave, it fed that piece of me. I was like, oh, wow. Like they've changed kind of their thought process of what they thought healthcare was because of this experience. Mm. And that's awesome to have been a part of that, you know, and the, the team I was a part of leading, we're into that. And so now it's like, boom, I think I found a nice little area and um, there's offers that come and I'm like, geez, wow, that's, that could be something, but what is it exactly? Right. You know? And so much more strings typically attached to that than, you know, you see in the JD, but right now I'm in a really good place where I kind of get to feed that part of my spirit and feed that part of my purpose, make some money with it as well. And so to your point, like that's how I'm kind of truthfully my nine to five, that's how I'm kind of bringing this all together. I'm living it. <laughs> yes, love it. I'd love to come back to this idea of purpose. And again, something that sprung to mind from a previous podcast guest, Sharath, who talked about purpose as big P versus little P. So you can have big P purpose and little P purpose. And also something that I heard Adam Grant mention in the past as well in relation to purpose. And oftentimes we want whether it's as an entrepreneur and you want to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or you want to be involved in a cause where you're saving the whales, for example, you feel like it has to be this massive thing when actually if you bring it back down to the community around yourself, it's understanding more about the impact that you want to have at that community level and how you can have that impact. So like for me, it's kind of like you're directly impacting on people's lives. It is a life or death situation. But oftentimes people, when they're working, 
it's not that life or death situation, but they still want to be able to have that impact. And I suppose it's a reminder that the impact doesn't have to be life or death. It doesn't have to be save the whales. It doesn't have to be this massive thing that you do. It can be the impact that you have on those people around you. And have you kind of got that sense from the conversations you've had or in your own career? Yeah. So I'll start with me personally. You know, so one of my phrases is my goal is to facilitate interactive dialogue that positively impacts the human experience. And that is a very high level kind of goal. But through how I do that is through some of the conversations I have. I mean, on, on the side, I consult and do trainings on things like reasonable accommodations and just bias and things like that. And we talk about, you know, just being more open to other people show up at work, how we can ensure we're a bit more inclusive at work. Right. And so I've talked about that. And so that that's my big umbrella for me personally. And for others, I would say something similar as well. You know, there are folks who recognize that, hey, look, I want to get a gentleman I talked to who was uh, into real estate. And what he is trying to do, a gentleman named Kamal, is change the perception of folks who may be on Section 8, which here is around basically assisted housing the folks who need assistance with living expenses and buying into properties that allow folks who may be on Section 8 to one, be in a property that is obviously well-maintained, all of that, but then it allows them the freedom to do some of the other things that they need to do that eventually they truly may get off of that program, right? And so it's given him, and he was in finance before that, right? But now it's, it's given him an opportunity now to scale something that he's passionate about and impact people and families in a much broader way. And I commend things like that. And another young lady who actually, actually from the same place as the gentleman Kamala was talking about, a woman named Jennifer, she started her own marketing company. She had realized she's been doing all this stuff for, for years and doing, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and recognized that, you know, when she got to a certain place, it may have been a bit empty, but now She's able to, how can she help other brands with their marketing? But also too, you know, her and her husband kind of started this spot in Columbus where it's like a gathering of like-minded individuals, entrepreneurs, and, and doing things for the community that now she has space and time to do that. And so those are the types of things that, are, that I think people are kind of living their big P purpose in that here's what we want to do high level. And here are now the things that kind of come into that. Love that. There was something that you said earlier that you alluded to was about creating something for yourself within your own role. So I'd love to explore that a little bit more. It sounds like you've kind of crafted this position for yourself. And I'd love to get an understanding of how you did that. Maybe someone who's listening today can learn a little bit more about how how you've achieved that. Yeah, no, Absolutely. So, you know, in my, so prior to, to this role, I was in a, I was in a chief of staff role supporting our, our president and CEO. And, you know, those roles are typically timeless. Like no one stays in these roles forever. Right. So one of the, I remember probably one of the first three months, it's like, yeah, you know, you do what you need to do here, but you need to see other places in the organization so you can figure out what you want to do next. And so a part of obviously my day-to-day -day providing that support and doing whatever I needed, you know, for him was also meeting and greeting with other execs, other folks across the system, and really paying attention throughout all the different meetings I was in 
to say, hey, where are we going next, right? And what truthfully is something that I want to be a part of? And it was something about education that really stuck with me. My former boss, our leader, you know, actually from, from Ireland, right, has a great story about basically coming up from nothing and making himself into something. And he talks about, you know, you change the circumstances of, you know, a kid from a poor family with education. And I heard that and I was like, he's full of gems of quotes, right? But uh, this one was like, I was like, oh, this, this is a good one, right? You know, so we talked more about it. And then, you know, this initiative that I was working on kind of came about and I was like, oh, you know what? Yes, you could definitely change the circumstances of that kid and their family. But, you know, given how things are now, you know, if we're able to impact maybe this one kid who has friends or whatever, and they're able to talk about them, their experiences, you could have, there's a potentially a, a generational component to this that is much larger than we're even anticipating. And so once that really sank in with me, I was like, okay, how am I going to be a part of this? And so there was a lot of movement that was happening in the org at the time. You know, my boss in loop, like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about exploring more in this space, right? This kind of learning and education innovation space. Are you good with that? He's like, oh, absolutely. And so we were happy, you know, happened to know the, the former uh, chief learning officer. And, you know, she was actually in the process of exiting. And I knew our, the gentleman who was coming up. And I truthfully just had a direct conversation with him about, you know, here's what I'm thinking about. You're coming into this new role. Truthfully, do you have a person, right? Do you have someone to provide some support and whatever? Because at the time I hadn't fleshed it out or anything, but I knew yeah. I wanted to kind of be in this learning and innovation space. And he was like, you know, no, I don't, but I'd love to. And the first question everyone always used to ask was, does Michael know about this? Right? And yeah, I'm like, yeah, you know, he, he does. Like I, we're very open and honest, you know, truthfully, even quick aside, before I even started the podcast, the first person I told, you know, other than, than my wife, right, was my former boss. I was like, hey, yeah. I'm, you know, we talked about this, but I'm thinking about doing this thing. And he was like, hey, you know, hey, go for it. Right. But back to the story, it was, yes, you know, he's in the loop, but I just love to stay close. My first point would be, you know, to folks is to want, pay attention to what's happening in, let's say you want to stay in your org, but pay attention to what's happening in your organization to see what could potentially be something that really gets you going, whether it's something that's already created or potentially something you see that's coming on the horizon, right? So if you see that, pay attention, great. Two is you can't be shy. I didn't get where I'm at by being shy. Trust me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So you have to ask, well, here's what I'm thinking about. And even if it's not fully fleshed out, here's high level what I'm thinking. I'd love to explore this with you. You have a great opportunity where truthfully you're coming in at a clean slate. You know, I had a couple of great mentors at the time who were really kind of coaching me throughout the process because I did see, I saw what was happening, right? And, and granted, the vantage point where I was, was as high as you can go, right? And so I'm like, I see what's going on. I want to get in early. Best piece of advice I got was, if you see something, go for it because the train only comes around once, right? Oh, yeah. If it comes around again, the cars may be a little different, right? And so, mm -hmm. and that stuck with me because if I were, you know, he's coming in, new leader in, in this space, let's be a part of what's kind of now a part of the build as opposed to now folks are already kind of in and you know, I may have missed an opportunity. And so I didn't want to do that. So paying attention, not being shy, being open about what you're looking for. And then as things started to flesh out, you know, made a formal 
pitch about what I could do, what I'd like to be a part of, it really started to solidify like, okay, yeah, I'm really interested in this education space. I'm interested, obviously from a workforce standpoint, I'm interested in how we're working with the community in this regard. So how do we bring this together to ensure, and mind you, there are other groups who do similar things, but how can we bring this together? Maybe this one initiative that I had was an initiative called like Future Reading that could show like, hey, here's how we can bring multiple departments uh, together in one thing and get a lot of good traction out of it. And truthfully, it worked and is working. That's what's been helpful. You know, you had to kind of show results, right? And I was able to do that, or we were able to do that with some of the feedback that we got from the students, some of the publicity that we ended up getting. And so it was very helpful. And truthfully, I was very intentional about making sure that one, we were able to show how meaningful this was not only for the students, but also for you know the school system who we were kind of working together with. And that helped, that helped just kind of bring everything together. So now I'm at a place where, you know, you make this pitch, truthfully, it was a little nerve wracking in the beginning because going into something that you kind of envision and create, there's not much, you know, like, well, how did they do it before? Like, I, I couldn't tell you, right? I mean, I just yeah. came up with this thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's but, brand uh, new. <laughs> it's brand new, right? But now it's like, okay, here's what we're able to do in this short period of time. Now, how can we replicate that, right? And so my my big three pillars day to day for my you know day to day job are around talent pipelining, reskilling and upskilling, and then kind of this thought leadership, AI and innovation work. And so I kind of dip in and out of each three on any given day, and that's been a lot of fun. Brilliant. I think it's so interesting, I think. And, you know, an earlier conversation I had on the podcast was about taking responsibility and taking control and being proactive in your career rather than waiting for opportunities. And I think this it's such a prime example of spotting an opportunity and going for it, making your intentions clear and then pitching and getting the support that you needed to make that transition as well. So well done. Well done to yeah, you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Brian, something that you mentioned very early on in the conversation, I've been meaning to kind of come back around to this, and that's more from the organization perspective. So if we, if you're talking to all of these people who've left and we know that the great resignation has happened, one of the things that you said earlier was, what could we have done better? So as an organization, what do you think organizations can do better to retain staff more generally speaking and maybe specifically in these times of crisis and, and change? You know, I think a lot of it you're, we're kind of seeing now, right? But one of the things that big themes around burnout, around folks not recognizing how stressed they actually were until they truthfully had this time to kind of, you know, sit. But one of the things that I think is important to the extent that it's able to happen, given the respective industry, is that remote work opened up a ton of opportunity for folks family-wise, home life-wise to really continue to do what they needed to do successfully and also more successfully manage their life. So my advice from an organizational standpoint is when it comes to the flexibility around people's work schedules, I don't think we can go back to pre-2020. And you see a lot of organizations, and I don't know if that's happening overseas as well, but you see a lot of organizations here stateside who are now 
kind of reversing the clock on, you know, before it was people wanted to, I saw a funny meme about this pre 2020. It was like, we want to work flexibly. No, we can't do it. People are going to take advantage, blah, blah, blah. 2020 comes. We need everybody to go we to work. Yeah. <laughs> you're, and everyone's doing great work. We've I've seen some of the, you know, numbers, people productivity is people are truthfully sometimes working longer, right? Because yeah, you don't exactly. when you're sitting at the debt, you don't, you don't know. So there's that's a whole other aside. Um, but productivity is there. And now pandemic is quote unquote over. Now we need you back, you know, like you know, work, <laughs> work, working remotely didn't work. But wait a minute, it was working for three years. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and so to, to kind of play these games with employees is, I don't think it's a smart move. People may have different opinions on that. I'm comfortable with, with that. But I think that this remote work, I think the future truthfully is hybrid. And even myself, you know, I like working remote, but there's times I feel like I need to be in the office as well. I like having that flexibility. But to force people to come in for an arbitrary number of days, either during the week or for the month, yeah. I don't think it really, really makes much sense. So my piece would be let adults be adults, right? I think we are all comfortable in what we're doing. A lot of us are good at what we do. And to the extent we have a position that allows for us to work remotely successfully, I think that should be an option. Now, certain places, that's not an option, right? But where it is, I think that should be a viable option. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to be honest, Brian, I think we could have a whole other podcast episode talking about the topic yeah. of flexibility and the future of work and hybrid and how to get it right and and all of those kind of things. Like one of the big challenges, particularly here with a lot of my clients who are based in Ireland, is the the challenge with hybrid. I think it's there's a lot of companies that are struggling to get it right and they're looking to kind of outside sources of like, what are they doing and how, what is, you know, how are they getting it right? But I don't think anyone has it figured out just yet. I, I think it's going to be an iterative process. I think try stuff out and if it's not working and have ways to measure it as well. How are you measuring the effectiveness of it? Are you looking at things like retention rates? Are you looking at things like productivity and how you actually measure that productivity? And has the way that you measure productivity changed since the pandemic? So are you looking at the right things in your business and how can you make a case for or against hybrid working? And and how do you enable people to do their best work? Absolutely. You know, in a lot of these conversations really stem around truly real estate costs, right? I mean, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've invested all of this money in renting yeah. or buying this office building and therefore we, we need people to come in and exactly. work here to make exactly. it cost effective. Right. Once that's taken away, I think people will, or organizations will be a little bit more flexible mm. because I mean, look, that's a huge, huge cost. Space is a huge cost. And so unless they're able to repurpose it, I do truthfully see kind of some of these these trends continuing, but uh, I do think, still think it's unfortunate. Yeah, no, it is. And I was listening and I'd love to be able to quote this better, but I was listening to a podcast the other day and in it, they were talking about the fact that you're only working, let's say on average, eight hours per day, 40 hours per week, but that's actually only 25% of the entire usable time of that office building. So actually, if you're getting people in, then it's not that they're wasting all of this time. It's that if you think about it from that perspective, you could be using those offices for lots of other things overnight or on the weekends, all of, you know, so if when you're thinking about utility costs, I think is essentially what they were trying to say. 
and the utilisation of the office buildings. Actually, they're only being utilised 25% of the time, even when you're working nine to five, Monday to Friday. So, you know, it's changing that perspective of how you're phrasing it or how you're framing it and how you're using the office buildings. That's actually a great point. But I haven't really thought about it like that, right? Because, yeah, let's think about it. most of these places, let's say states, I, I mean, like the big companies, they have overseas offices, right? Yeah. And yeah. so on, when they're open, they can be open there. But, you know, you folks sitting over here, Park Avenue or wherever, six o'clock, seven o'clock, they're shutting down. But someone's cleaning and sourcing and electricity and all that stuff to keep things going. That's a great point. Uh, I'd be mean, maybe offline. You could, I'd love to listen to that that episode. Yeah, if I could find it, I'll have to go back and and uh, have a look at what podcast I listened to recently. But it was just something very striking to me as an argument against this whole thing about like why are we using this real estate argument as a reason to bring people back to the office essentially. So, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. And for anyone listening today, if I do find that, I will put a link in the show notes so that you can listen back and and hear for yourself and not my butchered version of I think it said this and it was something <laughs> like that and. Yeah, but it was it was just an interesting perspective, I think, that was shared. Brian, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? And I love this question. I think being happier kind of blends some of the things we I was talking about earlier around, you know, if you know what you're passionate about or what you feel as though you're kind of working in your purpose, if you will, I think that allows you to be happier. Being happier means working in something that you genuinely like to do. Love may be a bit strong, right? But you genuinely like to do and you feel like you're making a difference, whatever that means to you. For me, it means potentially making a difference in the lives of future healthcare leaders or making an impact for those who may work in the field now, but with the advancements of technology and things like that, some jobs may not be here in a few years. So how could we then give them an extra set of tools for their toolkit to then do something else still within this industry? So grow them within that space. And so for me, I potentially have an opportunity to work on initiatives, or I do have and am working on initiatives that can do that for people. And to me, that strikes something in me that one, I genuinely like to do it. And two, it does make me happy to have this impact on folks' lives. And so that's what being happier at work means to me. Working in your purpose, having some fun too. Fun um, is so important. Yeah, as well. have, having yeah. some fun. And then, you know, genuinely trying to make a difference for, for the betterment of other people. Yes, there are certain times you have to kind of look out for yourself, right? Don't get me wrong. I got, I got two kids and a wife, got to make sure that everybody they're good, right? But but also I want to make sure that that other people are doing well too. And if there are things that I can work on to help impact that. That really drives me in ways that I'm learning more about each day, truthfully. Brilliant. Love that. And Brian, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Brian Akar, A-Q-U-A-R-T. I'm probably the only one there with that last name. And then also, if you're interested in in checking out my show, uh, you can visit me at www.yileft.co. That's where you can find all of our uh, episodes. I'm in season two currently. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely love this conversation. And I'm sure we could dive into solving the world's problems and, uh, you know, the future of work for 
hours and hours, but uh, time is to close up now. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. So, and I appreciate your time today as well. So thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. And I uh, look forward to checking this out and you have a great show. And so I love, I hope the listeners get a lot out of this and thank you again for having me. Thank you. If you've been listening to the Happier at Work podcast for a while, you'll know that I love to make the episodes as actionable as possible for you. I love bringing practical suggestions into the conversations that I have with my guests. But I always wondered, how easy is it to implement what you learn? Or how are you staying accountable for putting into practice what it is that you know about? So recently, I've started partnering with Skilding.com. That's S-K-I-L-L-D-I-N-G.com. Skilding suite of digital tools is designed to help you remember the most actionable content from this episode when you need it most and track your improvements while you deliberately practice. With Skilding.com, ensure that you're learning the right way with their tools and resources. You'll have everything you need to make sure you're retaining the best of what you hear and applying it when it matters most. Head over to skillding.com forward slash happier to check out the insights from today's episode. That was Brian Akar talking about all of the reasons why people leave organizations and what we can do to essentially fix things for work in the future. Now, before I go on to pull out some of the key points and takeaways from today's episode, I wanted to remind you to get involved in the conversation. I'd love to hear from you. You'll find all of my social links on happieratwork.ie. Get involved in the conversation on Instagram, on LinkedIn, or send me a direct email as well. Always love to hear from listeners. So Brian and I started the conversation talking about people leaving stable jobs, which was you know, pretty much unheard of, I think, up to then. I know certainly in my own career on three separate occasions, I was told in no uncertain terms that I was leaving a permanent pensionable job and what was I thinking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but very much from the individual level, people were leaving stable jobs. And I suppose from his own perspective, he said that we don't talk about resignations enough. It happens all the time, but we don't necessarily talk about it enough. It was something that he wanted to bring to light and to hear the individual stories of people who left during COVID, who left during the Great Resignation. Now, he understands that there's learnings in the process from that. So it's the process of actually doing the resignation. What are the steps that you need to go through? And then what happens next? So, you know, what do people go on to do after they resign from their job? Brian talked about the different push and pull factors. So it can be different for different people. He acknowledged that COVID changed everybody and that people had more time to think during the pandemic. And that thinking brought about this idea of if not now, then when. We thought very much about what we're doing with our time, how we're spending our time, what we're doing with our lives, how we're spending our lives. Something interesting that he shared was that not everyone left to be an entrepreneur. You know, my assumption was that most people left to go to another organization, not necessarily to set up in business during a global pandemic. But that's obviously not the case that, you know, perhaps in America, a lot more people went to go on to become entrepreneurs, but not necessarily everyone did that. We talked about the reasons, I suppose, uh, some of the, the pull factors then being purpose and impact. So what is your life's purpose? What is your work's purpose? What is the impact that you want to have on the world? We talked about money and how money is not related to purpose. So it's great to get 
enough money to live on or it's kind of important to get enough money to live on and to get by. But money is not necessarily related to purpose. And it's much more important to have that sense of fulfillment from the work that you're doing rather than getting paid money. You know, even if it's a lot of money to do something that you're really not enjoying or you're not feeling fulfilled by. Uh, He also shared this idea of getting to a certain place and now it's empty. So you kind of had aspirations to get to a certain level in your career. You looked around and realised it wasn't really all it was cracked up to be at all. It wasn't what you expected and it feels different. And I know I've certainly encountered that myself and I've heard it from various clients over the years as well, that you get to a certain stage and you look around and you think it doesn't feel the way I wanted it to feel. And yeah, it's a good enough reason to leave, isn't it? He also talked about creating opportunities for yourself and never be afraid to ask. And I loved the example that he shared from his own career, where he essentially job crafted an opportunity for himself that he was most interested in. He understood himself. He made a pitch. He got his own boss on board. And, you know, I've recently heard a few stories similar to this. I absolutely love hearing stories like that. So for me, it's really important to know what are you passionate about? What are you good at? What can you do differently? And just, you know, ask the questions. Don't be afraid to to ask the questions. The second area that I wanted to explore with him was companies. So, you know, one of the the kind of questions early on or one of the acknowledgements early on in the conversation was what could we have done better as an organisation? And I think that's becoming clear. It's becoming really obvious now what organisations need to do. And it's about having a working model that works for you as a business. And you'll hear me saying this a lot on the podcast, but It's not about looking at what they're doing down the road. It's about figuring out what's best for you and your organisation. What model works best? How do people work best? When do people need to come into the office? When can people happily work at home? You know, and getting feedback and having an iterative process. So it's about revisiting what you're doing, you know, on a frequent basis to get feedback and see what's working and what could be improved you know, acknowledge things like burnout. So if people are overworked, if there's not enough people to do the jobs, then get more people in because that's going to lead to people leaving. And then, you know, it'll be even more difficult for the people who remain to be able to get all of the work done. We talked about work-life integration and finding, you know, whether you call it work-life balance, work-life integration, but finding that sense of integration between work and life and facilitating that so people have time to enjoy things outside of work. Uh, the importance of flexibility we talked about. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this many times on the podcast and the various different types of flexibility, whether it's time, whether it's location. And the, I suppose the parting thought that Brian left us with was let adults be adults. And I really liked that as an insight because sometimes people at work are, are treated like children. And if you treat people like children, they're going to behave like children as well. As always, would love to know what you thought about today's episode. Do let me know. You can comment below. You can send me an email. You can reach out through social media. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And I'll be back again next week with another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. And if you've made it this far, well done you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a rating, a review or share it with a friend. I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. And also, if you'd like to know more about how I can help you 
or your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie. 